0: Time now to say hello to our good friend, Gerald Hodges, SEC replay official, as he joins us for the remainder of tonight's program. And his appearance is brought to you by A.G. Hines Company, providing building materials since anyone can remember. Gerald, how are you? Doing great, John. Well, it's great to have you along, and we certainly have a number of questions to pepper you with. So strap it. Right. Okay.
1: Well, let's pepper him with this one. Um, I do want to ask you this. In the course of the Tennessee game against Georgia, Uh, the white hat, the referee, uh, looked like he suffered some type of an injury, and so they changed who was on the field officiating. I don't remember exactly how they did it, but what happens in that case? I know there's always an alternate official that's on the sideline, if I remember right. So does that guy becomes the white hat? Does somebody else become the white hat? How, How does that work in terms of replacing an official who might suffer an injury?
2: Right. That's a good question, Jim, because there are eight officials on the field. The alternate is a regular SEC official who happens to be off. We have a couple off weeks during the season, so. But the alternate official could normally work, say, field judge, side judge, other than referee. So in their pregame, that's one of the last things they go over. You know, worst case scenario, if the white hat goes down, who's gonna who's gonna be the referee? So mm-hmm. they decide that at the. uh Pre-game meeting and it may involve just a straight switch the alternate to the white hat uh, you may have someone on the field who has referee experience and maybe in another league and uh, they'll put then so it could be a one for one swap it could be it could involve swapping two or, or three different officials around to okay. you know, get the you know the best Qualified official to be the white hat.
1: Okay, uh, during the Tennessee game against Georgia, there were two targeting overturns. I think they might have been on back-to-back plays. Uh, one of them was against a Tennessee player. Now, I heard some people say, "Oh, they're replaying this on a crackback." No, it was they actually were asking whether it was targeting or not, and then they ruled that it was not targeting. Then on the next play, there was a Georgia player. They stopped it for potential targeting, and they ruled that it was not targeting. I thought both calls were correct, but in regard to this, you you don't have a situation where you replay a crackback block. It has to be a targeting situation. Is that right?
2: Correct. The crackback block on its own is not reviewable. What you will have or can have the same way with roughing the passer. You can have roughing the passer with targeting. Mm -hmm. And then also you can have a blindside block with targeting. Mm -hmm. And they look at, but if you have just targeting and not blindside block, then they they only look at the targeting because the blindside is not reviewable.
1: There was one other call, and I appreciate the officials doing this. So there was a chop block call during the course of the Tennessee-Georgia game, and then the officials conferred and realized that one of the guys got pushed over a guy that was laying on the ground. So he was not engaged. He was not blocking him. And when they talked about it, they said, nope, they picked up the flag and said no chop block i don't know if replay can confer with them or not on that but they they got on the, on the field together and said what and when you saw the replay the reversal was correct there there should not have been a flag right. so that, I, I like the fact they they got together to talk about that is
2: it. really good work on the mm-hmm. field and of course the officials have the intercom they can talk to each other and that's what they need to do mm-hmm. you'll you know, you'll see them come together maybe on a pass interference call where one official knows that the pass was uncatchable and you know you you take any help you can get from your fellow officials so
0: if you have a question or comment for gerald six five six ninety nine hundred six five six ninety nine hundred star nine ninety is free for at&t and u.s. cellular customers the toll-free number one eight six 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 five six ninety nine hundred let's talk to michael
3: hello michael hey john hey jimmy how are y'all doing hey well michael. on yourself pretty well uh thanks for taking my call hey gerald i really enjoyed the uh the segment thank you um so i was i was watching the uh the auburn uh florida game and um there was a what looked like a, a a pretty clear targeting uh hit you know i don't think it was malicious but you know by the letter of the law targeting hit on a on a florida player um and the guy was kind of on the ground for a while, I believe. And um, they didn't make the call, they didn't throw a flag, they didn't make the call. So so, Dan Mullen threw a, a flag, I, I guess, a, or called a timeout and basically challenged it. And the ref, kind of in, in more explanation than I thought was was, I was gonna get, basically said, well, you can't challenge a non-call targeting, but at the same time, it was a pretty clear targeting. So I don't know. I guess at that time, are, are the guys or the refs or the replay officials? they looking at that um, and, and, and going through it anyway? I, I know every play is reviewed, so to speak, but, I mean, if, if that wasn't targeting, I'm not sure what was. But but Mullen got to keep his timeout. So did, they, did he get to keep his timeout just because he didn't know or just because maybe the refs were kind of trying to throw him a bone because maybe they missed the call? I don't, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Okay, sure. If you call let, play. Me, let
2: me go through it, Michael, because that targeting rule has changed this year. It has different wording on it. Last year, the replay officials had the option of confirming the targeting, letting it stand, or overturning the call. They look, we, as replay, we look at every potential targeting foul. And I'm sure they looked at it uh, numerous times, but – If the coach, uh, you know, wants to challenge that, then the, the replay official, or mean, excuse me, the referee will tell me, coach, that is not challengeable. There's a difference between being challengeable and then being reviewable. So in that case, it, you know, and, what whoever coach or whatever coach would do that, uh, they would just you know say you know you can't challenge it. Here's your timeout back, and here's your challenge back because it was not actually stopped. So
3: I got you. So do they? Did do, do they ever? Uh, I mean, I guess all the plays kind of are, are grouped together. Do they ever look at those, obviously, and say, hey, you know, hey, guys, you kind of missed one here or something like that? I assume that happens, right?
0: Well, it, as Gerald has said, and of course, Rocky pointed it out, uh, each play is in each review. I mean, each uh-huh. member of the officiating crew, his imp- performance for the entire game is reviewed from one week to the next. You're graded. And so what you'll get is, for lack of a better word, your report card. And if there are either highlights of something that was well-officiated or perhaps something that was missed, Gerald, that goes out to everybody before they work their next game.
2: That's correct. That is the, the film we look at on Friday nights or Saturday morning, depending on kickoff time. So we see the good and the bad. Oh, uh, And then uh, the replay officials actually have their own conference call on a night during the week, and we review every play that is stopped in every SEC game, as well as some that maybe weren't stopped. So that's correct. We get graded on it weekly.
3: All right, guys. Thanks. I appreciate it. Thank you.
0: Michael, sure to appreciate you. 656-9900, 656-9900. Star 990 is free for AT&T. And U.S. Cellular customers, the toll-free number, 1-866-656-9900.
1: General, I was watching a game the other day, and there was an interception, and then the guy is returning the interception, and there was a late hit. And then, upon review, the ball actually hit the ground. It was not an interception. So if there was no interception and they reversed that, could you still implement the late hit personal foul call?
2: Yes, and that's true on any type play. But uh, the fact that the ball hit the ground – it became dead, so there. anything that happens after that it is a dead ball foul. Now, basically, on dead ball fouls, only 15-yard fouls are, are in force. So you had a clip on the run back or a block in the back on the run back, after, and then it's turned over to an incomplete pass. Then the 10-yard fouls go away.
1: Oh, okay. Not a clip. I yeah. said
2: clip would be 15, but a block in the back, 10-yard ten, ten and 5-yard fouls are not enforced, just the 15 yards. Interesting, okay. Just like roughing the passer. Only, you know, on a score, only the 15-yarders are are enforced.
0: Okay. So only the 15-yarders. So let's just say, same scenario, team looks to have intercepted the ball. Mm-hmm. They make a big return and, for whatever reason, decide to taunt uh, and get an unsportsmanlike conduct call. Would it be the same situation? Yes, that
2: that's, that's a 15-yard penalty, and it would be enforced. Okay, wouldn't that be some egg on your face? And that would wow. be one marker against that player. And
0: you know, if he gets another unsportsmanlike, one. yeah, yeah. And I guess in that instance, I mean, because the the game I was watching where I saw the exact same thing happen, I believe it was a third down play, and they came back and it made it. It went from fourth and a yard to like fourth and sixteen, really changed the uh, the outcome of of what they might have done next, but. In my scenario, that would become a first down for the offense, even though it was an incomplete pass on third down because it, it, it would be an unsportsmanlike conduct against the defense. If it were against the defense, that's correct. So instead of holding them and, you know.
2: Fourth down, you give them a first. That'd be the double whammy. Uh, Unsportsmanlike fouls are pretty costly.
0: Yes. In more ways than one. Never a good time for any of them.
1: Oh, so basically, don't celebrate an interception until you know it's an interception. Yes. Exactly.
0: That's right. (laughs) Exactly.
1: Or don't
2: drop the ball before you cross the goal line.
1: Well that well that's a good one too. Well and that's interesting that you would enforce the fifteen yarder but not the ten. I didn't know that. That's right. an interesting distinction. Yeah. It sure is. Uh that uh to be aware of. Yes. So that's uh, that's a good one there. Um, I did want to ask you about another situation. I was watching um might be better if I don't say the teams. So Okay. Uh I was watching a game. I won't say where. So there you are. But it was hot. <laughs> <laughs> it was hot. Uh and the uh one team had this guy doing a rugby punt. So he took off a couple of steps to the right, punted it, and then the other team, the punt blocking team, ran into him, 15 yards, and they, they marked it off first down. And I thought, oh, wait a minute, if it's a rugby punt and he takes off running, then he is not protected. But he's got to be outside the, quote, tackle box before he is not protected. Is right. that correct?
2: Right. Well, I guess the, so, the theory, Jimmy, and I'm speculating, but if he's, the rugby style kicker and he runs outside the tackle box. There's a good chance he may run it. Yeah. So you know that's He could be a runner lives. punter. He, yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> he he becomes a runner. So I guess that's the distinction you got to have somewhere. So you know, of course, if it if he's running straight toward the line of scrimmage, doesn't get outside, then you know, obviously he's probably going to kick it. But
1: when I first saw that, I didn't like the call, but then when I saw the replay, I thought there's a pretty good chance he was not outside the tackle box. Right. Even though he stepped to the right a couple of steps, he still was within, I thought, the tackle box. And so that's why they they threw the flag Correct. On, right. on the team. Right. Uh, I won't say where it was, but it was really hot, and they like to drink beer, and they don't know how to spell go. But other than that, <laughs> I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> where could that okay. possibly uh, I'm be? I'm not going <laughs> to tell you where it was. <laughs>
0: If you have a question or comment for Gerald, 656-9900, 656-9900. Star 990 is free for AT&T and U.S. cellular customers. The toll-free number, 1-866-656-9900. Gerald's appearance brought to you by A.G. Hines Company, providing building materials since anyone can remember. More with Gerald coming up as you listen to Sports Talk.
3: For sports,
0: we'd be forced to play that crap other stations play.
3: Anybody need that?
0: Nobody. 99.1 The Sports Animal. Our guest, SEC replay official Gerald Hodges. Let's get back to the phones and talk to Tom. You're on Sports Talk. Hello, Tom.
4: Yes, this is for Gerald. Yes, uh, Tom. It pertains to targeting uh, Yes, it pertains to targeting. Huh. Uh, just if you could just address the part of the defenseless player apart. I understand the rest, but the part that concerns the defensive this player.
2: Okay, the uh, defenseless player, as far as targeting goes, Tom falls under Rule Nine One Four, and it uh, there there are several definitions of a defensive player. Obviously, one is a quarterback in the process of throwing the ball, or immediately following the uh, when he lets the ball go. By definition, the quarterback is defenseless throughout the down. So that's one. Another one is a receiver that is you know going to catch a ball, and he's up say in the air or you know in a vulnerable position. And then the other defenseless player is a blindside block. If any receiver that receives a blindside block. So the difference in the those the uh, between, of course, the other target is crown the helmet. So the crown the helmet could be you know against any player, but the defenseless player basically you know there your three or four definitions of a defenseless player, and they cannot be hit above the shoulders. Oh, uh, it doesn't have to be. Okay. Hel- it doesn't have to be helmet-to-helmet. Helmet. It can be a shoulder, a forearm, a sliding quarterback is a defenseless
4: player. Okay, the, the other part of that is then the play in the late latter part of the game where the Tennessee quarterback was hit really hard, uh, they talked about it. It was a good legal hit. But in my terms, he was defenseless. He was had his head turned. He could not see the player coming. And if you look at the replay close enough, you'll see the player did launch with his feet uh, I mean, good play. It's a good football play. But to me, it just looked like he was defenseless. And I'll hang up and let you answer that.
2: Sure. No problem, Tom. I did not see it, but unless he lowered his head and hit him with the crown of the helmet and it was not above his shoulders, you know, basically head, neck area, uh, it is a legal play. There can be some tremendous legal hits on players.
1: Well, a quarterback with the ball in the pocket is not defenseless. No, that's Even correct. though he doesn't see a defender coming, he's right. not defenseless. That's correct.
2: That is correct. Yeah. yeah.
5: Tom,
1: thank you very much. Let's go next to Bill. Hello, Bill.
5: Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. I uh, love the segment. Um, Appreciate that. I had a question. I saw a clip from the Tulsa SMU game. Uh, Tulsa was kicking off, and I'll try to describe it as best I can. The ball hit in the field and rolled toward the end zone. SMU never touched it, and uh, hit a Tulsa player about the one, rolled into the end zone, and Tulsa fell on it for a touchdown. So that something didn't seem right. Went back and looked it up, and the, the rule on free kick says a free kick untouched by the receivers is dead when it touches the ground in the end zone. So I was wondering why they, uh, even though Tulsa touched it, you know, it's uh, they didn't possess it, so the way I understand it, it's still a kick. So but, I didn't know if there was some special condition that covered that.
2: There is. Uh, now, who was kicking? Tulsa? Uh, Tulsa? Tulsa was kicking. Okay, so the kickers t- it hit the ground, and then the kickers touched it, and then it went in the end zone, and they fell on it for a touchdown.
1: The receiving Correct. team
5: touched it. Did the rec- No, the, uh, the thought, kicking team touched it. I thought it.
1: you okay. said a receiver for SMU touched it and rolled into the end zone, and Tulsa recovered. No, oh, if Tul- I did, I
5: misspoke. It hit a Tulsa player and rolled in the end zone. Okay. It, Tulsa
2: was the kicking team. Yes. Okay. Correct. All right. All right. Uh, Bill, on a free kick, remember, once a free kick goes 10 yards. Right. It uh, It is a free ball.
1: A live ball. Yeah. Live ball. Mm-hmm.
2: So they are legally right. allowed to touch it and or possess it. Now, if
5: yeah, – I knew they – they can't. Yeah, I knew it. they could do that, but yeah. my question was, it hit the ground in the end zone when it was still a kick.
2: Oh, it hit the ground in the air.
5: Not in the air. It oh. rolled in. Okay, well, but it had never been. It had been touched by somebody, but never possessed.
2: Right. Okay. Then it was a live ball. Once it went ten yards, either team can touch it or you know try to catch it.
5: Okay, no. so because it hit the ground, it takes off that.
2: Uh, right in the field of play. Now, if it hits the. Hits the ground in the end zone untouched. That's that's the part you've got right. If it hits in the okay. end zone on the fly, it's dead. It's a touchback, and there's no okay. attempt
1: by the receiving team to catch it. Right, it's yeah, dead.
0: exactly. But they can't do that if it's going to be short of the goal line. They have to. I mean, it, they have to hope that it rolls all the way through. If right. they're not going that's, to, yeah. they
2: can't bat down it. In. They can't bat it in. <laughs> but if they in, in the ensuing action of the play, if it gets in the end zone it's is not batted, it's a live ball. Wow. Okay. And that's by the same token uh, on the onside kicks. If it doesn't go 10 yards and the kickers touch it, then it becomes you know the receiver's ball at that point or the result. Yeah, right. Okay, yeah.
0: And if it's just a – I appreciate it. Sure do appreciate it, Bill. Thank you very much. And if it's a horrible onside kick to where there's this wide open gap, the return team can pick it up and return it. Return team can, yes.
2: And I've seen that happen.
0: They'll kick it over the first line of
2: the receivers and I don't know if they relax or overrun it. And then
0: somebody says, I'll pick it up and go.
2: I've seen that happen.
0: Brett Smith did that, I think, for Tennessee against South Carolina when they were trying to onside kick late. Yeah,
1: it was, uh, gosh, 66 yards would be too much. It might have been 56 yards. But I remember him picking it up and taking off and scoring because he went he got it pretty quick and he ran right by the people right they were covering the were, kick yeah <laughs> and he went right by him yeah. and, and I don't think anybody was close to him when he scored right cuz their momentum was going the other way right. exactly
0: did want to uh to go through this and this is would be on a punt return all right um so we've seen it before where somebody's signaling for a fair catch and a member of the return team that's blocking uh sometimes will shove uh member of the kicking team, into the return man with the hopes of getting a, a foul because he's called for the fair catch. Right. So, But that obviously is something that doesn't stand. The scenario that I saw play out was a return team calls for a fair catch and a gunner for the kicking team is the one that drives a blocker into the return man perfectly legal yeah that's exactly what they ruled that's right. <laughs> and i just want to make sure that that was done correctly that
2: is correct and you'll see that more often than you would think really so but that's
0: that is correct so there's no protection for the guy signaling for the fair catch as long as it's you hit him with another team of, of his teammates there now uh, the the protection is for the kicking to the
2: keep the kicking team from hitting him if they can push one of his own teammates into him. It's, that's right.
0: Okay. Something yeah. else for somebody back there blocking to think about.
2: Yeah. yeah. They're not back there just for window dressing. They better be blocking, <laughs> that's right. but not too close. That's
0: right. <laughs> Let's get a call from Russ. Hello, Russ.
4: Uh, Hey, I, and I hate to carry on the kicking question, but uh, this is something that bothered me for a few weeks. Uh, in the Florida Georgia game, or not Florida Kentucky game, Kentucky does the soccer kick, and I understand if they're outside of the box. But there was a punt where the Kentucky punter took the two-step stop, took two-step stop, and by the time he finally kicked it, he was almost in line of scrimmage. All the other ten players were literally in a circle around the Florida receiver catching it for a fair catch. Um, John, I'm about your age, Uh that used to be downfield. I'm trying to figure out how that changed, and theoretically could he have just sat there and had a picnic because nobody was rushing, so he just finally took his time and punted it.
1: Russ, I'm going to say this, and, Gerald, you correct me if I'm wrong. There was an NFL rule that you could not go downfield on a punt, or at least maybe not too many of them could go downfield. I don't think that was ever a college rule.
2: That's correct. Okay. That's correct, okay. Jimmy. right. They're, okay. Okay. Those gunners are off at the snap and the faster they can get down there, the better they like it. Now they, they can't get closer than one yard in front of that receiver. If he's signaled for a fair catch or even if he hasn't, that's the other thing you don't have to signal for a fair catch to get protection, to make the catch.
1: I was watching a okay. game yesterday and a guy got so close to the guy that was trying to receive the punt. hmm that he couldn't receive it because the guy was just right on top of him and the ball hit and bounced back about 10 or 12 yards and they didn't call anything. And I thought, well, that's got to be interference. But, if you get in the way of the guy catching it and you're on top of him to the point where he can't reach out and catch the ball, isn't that interference?
2: Well, there, there are two rules. There There is fair catch interference, okay. which if the receiver signals, then he has the opportunity to complete the fair catch. Okay. The other one is... Interference with the opportunity to, to make a catch. Mm-hmm. So, it doesn't, you know,
1: are whether, both of them the same penalty as yes, far as yards?
2: Yes, 15 yard spot foul.
1: 15, okay. Yeah,
0: yes. Russ, we do appreciate Okay. It.
4: Anything All else? All right, thank you. No, no, that just clarified it's a college thing. I just thought that the whole line, the whole line couldn't go downfield until the ball was funded but sounds like that's a call or a pro rule
1: russ i don't know if that's still an nfl rule i haven't seen it called in forever it makes me think it's not a pro rule anymore but i don't know that
4: okay all right all right so much thank you
1: (laughs) nothing wrong with that russ
4: congratulations on making it this
0: far (laughs) yeah exactly thank you all We'll get a break. We've got one more segment with Gerald coming up. To join us, 656-9900, 656-9900. Star 990 is free for AT&T and U.S. Cellular Customers. The toll-free number, 1-866-656-9900. Gerald's appearance brought to you by A.G. Hines Company, providing building materials since anyone can remember. This is Sports Talk. From the Budweiser studios of Cumulus Broadcasting. Looks like you've been
1: missing a lot of work lately. I wouldn't say I've been missing it, Bob.
0: This is Sports Radio WNML. Final segment to today's edition of Sports Talk. With Jimmy Himes, I'm John Wilkerson, our guest, SEC replay official Gerald Hodges. Uh, Jimmy, just a couple of quick things to update. We can tell you they go to the bottom of the ninth. Braves-Cardinals tied at four.
1: It's been a good series. That game yesterday was incredible, the Braves rallying from a one nothing deficit to get three in the top of the ninth to win it. So that's been a really, really good, and, and we thought it might be. It looked like two evenly matched teams.
0: Yeah, Cardinals uh, need to win this one to force a game mm-hmm. five, but the uh, Braves had a lead late. Cardinals tied it, and now St. Louis with a chance to win it. Also, uh, Tennessee basketball, as you mentioned,
1: 15,000-plus season tickets sold, and they've already sold out two games. They have sold out the Kentucky game already, February the 8th. They've sold out the Auburn game, March the 7th, and they've got fewer than 1,000 tickets left for three other games, Memphis, Wisconsin, Florida. How about that? That is
0: something. Yeah. Let's get another call for Gerald. It's Chip who calls, who's uh, joining us. Hi, Chip, how are you? I'm fine, sir. You? Doing well, thank you.
4: I want to know if when you fair catch a punt, the ball's down where you catch it. Well, I noticed in the Tennessee game a couple of times the kickoff receivers uh, signal fair catch on the two or three-yard line, and they move the ball back out to the 25.
5: I was wondering why the ball wasn't down where they...
0: All right, sure Chip.
2: yeah that was a real change uh last year uh maybe a couple of years ago that if they it's a safety issue it came up and uh the uh statistics showed that there were more injuries on kickoff returns uh you know from the 35 actually kickoffs not punts but kickoff returns so that, any play, right? than
1: any other play than any
2: other play in in the game so they gave the, uh, receiving team the option that if they, if they fair catch the ball anywhere inside the 25 yard line, then that they will put the ball in play, uh, at the 25. Same thing if they kick it in the end zone on the fly, it'll be, they brought out to the 25. They're trying to eliminate runbacks, give them the incentive. Uh, you still see runbacks because everybody wants that sports center play. They run it back a hundred yards, but the, The statistics are not very good for that. But that's been in a couple years. Thank you, sir. All right. Appreciate it, Chip. Jimmy, I've got one correction. On that kick play, Yeah. if that ball gets in the end zone, it is dead, regardless if the kicking team touches it. Okay. If if it gets in there untouched by B, it's a dead ball. So it would be back after the 25. So Tom was correct on that part of it.
1: Okay, because uh, yeah, I was wondering about that. You might have seen my face scrunch yeah, up at that because yeah. I was like, "That was an." Un- yeah, that's I'm, why I asked you about the onside yeah, kick. Yeah, the thing end zone is what
2: changes if it happens okay. in the field of play. And it then, was,
1: and so the, basically, what he was saying, the ball was never possessed by anybody; by he just no, happened to touch right. somebody. Yeah,
2: and okay. of course, he kept saying touching, and we figured out was touched by the kickers so and not received. Had the receivers touch it, and it gets in there, and the kicking team falls on, it is a touchdown.
1: So if it had touched an SMU on the receiving team and goes in the end zone, then it's a touchdown. That's correct. Maybe I misunderstood him. I thought initially he said SMU. I did too, but but, uh, anyway. Okay. All right. Tulsa kicked, SMU was on the receiving end. All right. Okay. We've seen a lot of frustration
0: from NFL defenses based on what have been a lot of calls for roughing the passer with – Obviously, the attempt and the uh, the goal of protecting what they see as one of their top commodities, and that is the star quarterback. That they're protecting the franchise. Yes, that they are. <laughs> um, I would imagine that the same rules from a safety aspect are in play for college football, but you don't see the same number of, if you breathe heavy on somebody, it resulting in a flag. So I'm just wondering... What is, the, what is the difference, or what are college football officials looking for in terms of roughing the passer that might make it a harder hit on a college quarterback than what we see some pro quarterbacks taking, uh, taking as far as hits that are flagged on the defense?
2: Yeah, I, I'm not sure what their philosophy is. Mm-hmm. Of course, in college they came out last year also with the, you know, if you hit the quarterback below the knee. So, or at the knee or below, that, yes, that's now foul. Which and that came out that's last year. Yeah, it's like,
1: so, yeah. in when college football yeah. in, so adopted that, that
2: was okay. a that was a, uh, a follow up from the NFL.
1: Well, and it happened to Kelly Bryant, the Missouri quarterback, because his injury on the last play of the first half in their game, uh-huh. a guy hit him low, and they threw the flag. In the past, that wouldn't have been a penalty. This time, they call roughing the passer. Correct.
0: That's right. Yes. Sir. So I know that the goal from both at both levels is to make sure that everybody play is is able to be kept as safe as possible. But it just seems like, for instance, I can't understand how you explain to an NFL defender that if you hit the quarterback while he is releasing the football, that that is roughing the passer. Well, that that would not be a late foul, that's for sure. Yes. Now, keep in mind. Uh, now, if you hit him above the shoulders and and sure, or right. below the knees, right? Then uh, they. they can or serve. if you are
2: blocked into the quarterback, now you will see that some, where the defender is blocked, you know, into the quarterback by his own player, own lineman. So if they and you have you know you have to look at that. It's just that's one you have to see.
1: I think there was a terrible call on Clay Matthews uh, recently, and then there was a terrible call on is it. Uh, Bradley Chubb, what's his yes. name, with Denver? Bradley Chubb. On, on a hit that just – there's no way that was a late hit. The guy was in the motion of throwing when a guy hit him, and they didn't hit him in the head. Right. Wasn't launching. They just – they were overprotecting. The other thing about the NFL that, that concerns me, I mentioned this to you recently, Gerald, if there's a pass interference call and they throw a flag on it and you challenge it, you have no chance to get an overturn. It's none. <laughs> no. You can talk about that because that's NFL.
2: I, just, I don't know what they're thinking. Yeah, <laughs> I
1: don't either, but it, it's uh, it's interesting to watch that. So, uh, anyway, I, I think the NFL officials think that shouldn't be part of the rule. so we're not going to abide by it. Gerald Hodges, thank you so much. We thank appreciate you. it. Enjoyed it. Have a
0: great week and safe travels. I'll do it.
1: That is Gerald
0: Hodges. His appearance brought to you by A.G. Hines Company, providing building materials since anyone can remember.